I'm Jakob Voigt, the CEO of Catalytic, and this is Unbundled. In this series, I help to demystify technology in the world of business. Join me as we explore how technology can make your business better. In this episode, we're chatting about IT infrastructure optimization. We're chatting about business priorities, how to deal with financial and equipment constraints, and what is often overlooked when embarking on a cloud journey. By the end of this episode, you'll have a clearer idea of how to prioritize maintenance for your existing IT investment. I'm joined by Jock Dupria, CEO of Backcare. Um, Jock, welcome. Morning, Yaku, and listeners, and thank you for the opportunity to uh, join you on Unb- Unbundled. So, uh, so we always start the show by just telling us a little bit about yourself. Yaku, thank you. So uh, I started uh, my career uh, with uh, Light Current Electronics. Uh, so I've always had a passion for, for IT and the IT industry, uh, I've, I've worked in uh, a number of different roles in uh, distribution for IT, uh, worked in systems integration. Um, I've had a previous business uh, called NetSite that was uh, acquired by uh, NASPAS, and we were put into the MWeb business fold. So um, I've played a role in the uh, internet service uh, provider space as well. Uh, so I got to understand a little bit more about that landscape uh, and then uh, subsequently decided to start uh, another business. And, uh, and that's uh, what's, what's brought us uh, to this point where, uh, you know, we're, we're effectively a, a service provider uh, providing break fix uh, maintenance services to, uh, to, to corporate customers. Yeah, so you guys are, you almost positioned uh, in between the let's call it the traditional mainstream uh, vendors and then the other side of the coin where people have no maintenance support on the <laughs> on the infrastructure. That's correct, Jaku. Yeah, we're we, we the guys that provide an alternative. Um, you know, historically, if you wanted maintenance on uh, uh, IT infrastructure, you would go to what they call the original equipment manufacturers or the OEMs, uh, and they were the guys that would then provide uh, maintenance options to you. Um, but that... Uh, that whole landscape has changed. You know, customers now have alternate uh, service providers available uh, that can do things a little bit more cost-effectively and, uh, and, uh, and you know, giving customers benefit. And I think that's been part of the historical problem because when things go well, people uh, might skimp a little bit on the ongoing maintenance and then it ends up catching you down the line. That's quite correct. I, I think what happens is that uh, as customers come under financial pressure, they they need to make a decision as to where the spend goes. Uh, often the spend goes to um, wanting to uh, enhance uh, applications, uh, you know, enhance systems, uh, and uh, and very often th- things like the actual infrastructure itself is then uh, neglected. Um, so that's uh, you know that's that's quite important that uh, one needs to do that to make sure that uh, that you that you are operational and that uh, you don't. Uh, have any risk in, in downtime. Okay, thank you for that. I think you've, you've teed it up quite nicely for us. So, so uh, let's get into it. So if, if you look at the conversations you're having with your customers today, what would you say are the, the top agenda items uh, for corporates when it comes to the IT infrastructure? So, I think the, uh, the majority of the conversations uh, with corporates goes around you know, operational uptime, uh, productivity, uh, application availability, security, uh, compliance uh, in the in the infrastructure, uh, and obviously the associated expenses uh, for those uh, for those components. Um, so and, you know, the, 
please proceed. Oh, sorry, man. And and would you would you say um, are they are they focused on let's go new projects or is there a big focus on in terms of uh, optimizing and maintaining what's currently in place? So Yaku, I think uh, we find ourselves in a bit of a difficult space because uh, you know even if customers do want to procure new equipment. Um, you know, I think it's no secret that there's a, a global shortage on components and stuff. So even if the customers do want to go that route, uh, they're under pressure because uh, there's extensive lead times on equipment. And, uh, you know, we've, we've recently seen th- th- from from uh, OEMs where they come back providing quotations uh, to customers and it's 55 weeks. So customers are almost forced to have a look at uh, and see what alternatives. So as much as they would like to uh, buy fancy new equipment, um, often practically the, they have constraints around that. And, uh, and therefore, you know, the business must go on. They need to carry on looking after the infrastructure that they have. They need to mitigate the risk around it. Uh, often they need to expand on uh, current infrastructure as an alternative. You know, so they need to buy, uh, let's call it new components for older devices. Um, so there's a whole, you know, there's a whole myriad of, 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 uh, uh, factors that uh, the, the, that uh, that they need to take into account now. And and can I ask you uh, maybe a, a little bit? Uh, uh, let's call it controversially. If you had to sort of uh, assign a percentage to how um, let's call it compliant businesses are in terms of having the existing IT infrastructure uh, inside some form of a maintenance uh, agreement. What would you say that percentage to be? How serious are businesses taking it? Well, if I, if I had to put my neck out, I would say, you know, it's around a 50% compliance. You know, you find what happens is that often customers will focus on uh, critical infrastructure that sits in a, uh, a data center at head office and uh, and then components uh, scattered around the uh, country are then neglected. Um, oh. You know, and, and often it's a case of the customers just don't know what they don't know. You know, a lot of them have acquired so much infrastructure over a, over a number of years, um, that it's very difficult for them to actually keep track of uh, the inventory and you know what the sort of warranty status is of that inventory. So so you know we find uh, that uh, there is a large component of of uh, exposure for 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 customers. So so okay, that's that's very interesting. I actually want to circle back to that. So um, uh, and I think uh, th- that's probably one of the most fundamental challenges in corporate IT, uh, what we're talking about now. So, so that's a beautiful point that you, that you brought up. In the, in the last, let's say, 18, 24 months where, where these global constraints and those things started happening, um, how would you say the view has changed uh, in business around maintenance and IT operations, if, if at all? Well, I think uh, it's no secret that uh, things like um, the impact of COVID uh, on business has played a, played a major role. Um, you know, things like the weaker dollar, uh, you know, to, to import equipment and, uh, you know, the associated shipping costs, uh, petrol prices and uh, even things around load shedding has really put a lot of strain on businesses um, and uh, and to a large degree has sort of derailed a lot of the uh, roadmaps that uh, customers had in terms of uh, deployment or refreshes or migration to the cloud. Um, so, you know, there's uh, there's a number of things that have happened. And w- so, so what we've seen is that customers have become a lot more receptive to looking at alternate uh, uh, um, alternatives um, for procurement of equipment. So we, we actually see a number of customers approach us and say, um, you know, because of the extensive lead times, do we perhaps have the 
um, you know, do we have the options of uh, getting re refurbished equipment, you know, sort of pre-owned equipment? Uh, and there's there's been historically, I, I would say, a bit of a general negative uh, connotation attached to it. But what's okay. what's transpired is that it's it's pretty much like having a, a pre-owned vehicle. You know, uh, if you if you've have a, a, a fleet of, of vehicles that's been well maintained, uh, then uh, then obviously you're in a position to sweat those assets. There's nothing wrong with it. It may not have uh, uh, um, all the the, the the latest bells and whistles, but uh, I think practically we find that we don't often need those bells and whistles. So what we're finding is that customers come back to us and say, is there an alternative? You know, we cannot wait this period to procure equipment. You know, it's holding a project. What can we do? And uh, what we do successfully is we have the ability to source uh, equipment. It may be a uh, let's hypothetically, it may be a generation nine component rather than a generation 10, uh, but generally yeah. it's very well spec and, uh, and it's very suitable for application to the customers. And, uh, the reality is it comes in at, uh, you know, with the vast cost, cost saving in comparison to, uh, to the new equipment. So it really, really is uh, providing a, a very good uh, cost effective alternative to customers. Uh, and, uh, you know, so we're seeing a great, uh, uptake of, of, uh, requests around, uh, um, you know, previously loved, uh, IT equipment. And, and would you say that people are sweating their assets longer? Absolutely, Yaku. Yeah, I think whether, whether they like it or not, um, they they almost compelled to have to sweat their assets. Um, you know, okay. some sometimes it's uh, because they 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 need to extend the uh, return on investment of, of that infrastructure. Uh, so uh, you know, because obviously everybody's trying to look for mechanisms to 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 uh, to, to reduce their their operational expenses. And in other cases, uh, again, it's because customers are just not in a position to 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 be able to acquire. Uh, equipment now. And, uh, you know, so on that point, um, what's historically happened is that your OEM would say to you, uh, you know, we can extend uh, um, the lifespan of the equipment, uh, but we can only do it on an annual basis. So you've got to take it on a 12-month, 24-month, 36 or 60-month contract. They don't give customers the flexibility to do things on short-term contracts, uh, which, which, which we which we are able to do. So we're now providing alternatives, even in terms of the timeframes to the customers, which uh, which they are quite delighted about. Okay, excellent. Doc, and then my next question is, uh, and I talk about this a lot, where, uh, specifically in the space where, where we play, where, where we try and um, you know assist uh, small to medium enterprises with, uh, that maybe doesn't have dedicated IT departments, you know, often the customer takes the lead from uh, what I refer to as the IT guy. And, um, and, and we know that there's certain things that the traditional IT guy is really good at. And then there's other things that um, were from a, a, str a strategic perspective where they lack a bit. What um, area of IT infrastructure uh, would you say is, is most often neglected or overlooked that should actually get priority in a business? So, actually, in interesting enough, um, my background, I had actually played a role as uh, what they would call a systems integrator, which is, uh, let's call it a traditional IT company. And, uh, yes. and, and I know historically, the focus was on the day-to-day -day operations of uh, the customer's infrastructure. So they would, they would have some niggles or pains that, uh, that they would experience on a daily basis. And, uh, they could, ex they could ex uh, experience some outages. 
Uh, and that's obviously where the priorities and the focus is for a, let's call it a traditional IT company. So they would focus I, a lot on... I always on, refer to that as the, as the firefighting component uh, where, where uh, there's, there's something is down or somebody deleted something and you're fixing a, you're fixing a problem. It's an emergency. That's quite correct. And, uh, and as we know, as soon as there's uh, some user interaction... There's generally a lot of it uh, um, because users don't always understand the uh, underpinning uh, um, technologies and stuff like that. And uh, so often it's uh, it's either self-induced or there's just simple equipment failure that uh, that could cause us issues. But, but be as it may, um, those are the sort of day-to-day uh, things that need to be taken care of. So... What happens is that the um, service companies don't have the opportunity to to look at this and say, look, you know, we've deployed equipment historically. We've got to make sure that uh, not just are things like backups uh, performed, uh, because typically a backup only looks after the the data components. Um, it doesn't look after the hardware. But when you have a hardware failure, it, you know, it's great to have the data. But what do you do when 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 the actual infrastructure is down? So, so yeah. what we do is we work quite closely, um, interesting enough, with a lot of uh, systems integrations companies um, to help them extend this value proposition into their customers. So, uh, so it actually then uh, provides peace of mind that uh, in the event that there are outages of uh, you know equipment failures, that at least the break fix maintenance component is then taken care of. Okay. Okay. Um, and now we spoke about it earlier. Um, so there is this worldwide manufacturing shortage. Um, and I think the reality, uh, contrary to popular belief, is, is it's not going away anytime soon. I think uh, for the next two to five years, we're going to sit with these global constraints. Um, how would you advise business to navigate around that? So, Yaku, again, sort of making reference to to the comment I made earlier, um, you know, customers need, they need options. Um, so if we look at that scenario that I used where they would love to, to, to purchase a new vehicle, uh, but there's no stock available. They would then alternatively look at uh, either a demo or they would look at a, a sort of a well-maintained pre-owned vehicle. And that's the sort of offering that is provided, um, uh, you know, through a third-party maintenance company. Um, you know, in the world of IT, there's similar options. You know, we have uh, a number of customers uh, that are looking for these cost-effective options on pre, uh, pre-owned equipment, uh, which is more than adequate for their, for their application. And uh, there's actually a world, worldwide demand for refurbished equipment, uh, which is actually readily available. And this model that we're talking about, this business model of uh, third-party maintenance, is is very mature uh, internationally. So you know, in North America and uh, Europe, it's very well adopted. There's major so, so, entities. So, so what does that third-party maintenance? What does that mean practically? So I, I always use the example. I've got an accounting firm in Centurion with a branch, a small branch in Cape Town and Durban. What does that third-party maintenance mean for me? So effectively, what it means, uh, Yaku, is that you don't have to go to the original equipment manufacturer to ask them for a maintenance uh, contract and equipment. A third-party maintenance uh, company, what they what they would do is they would actually look at the inventory that a customer has in terms of their IT infrastructure across uh, server, storage, and networking devices, and they would then stock up on components and uh, spares 
that is required to maintain that infrastructure. And it's normally th- those components are kept locally. Uh, you know, traditionally we've seen with with uh, with uh, OEMs, they will provide maintenance contracts to customers. Uh, and when something happens and they have a critical failure, the guys then need to uh, source the uh, new components or the replacement components, and it's and it's typically sitting in a, a, a stocking location in Europe somewhere. So it then has to be dispatched. So you've got all the logistics to get the, that equipment uh, into South Africa, which induces delays. Whereas typically a third-party maintenance company like Backair actually keeps all the uh, spares locally stocked right around the country to to uh, make sure that. Uh, in case of a survey failure, I phone you guys and you come and bring, you come and do whatever you need to do to fix it. That's exactly what it is, uh, Yaku. We, we typically engage customers. We provide a, a, a service level agreement to them to, to fit their need. So we would uh, we would have a, a fundamental understanding in terms of you know what is the the uh, expected turnaround time to resolve a uh, an issue. Um, so it could be at uh, 24 by seven with a four hour response. Or it could simply be a company that uh, operates business hours uh, during uh, uh, during a business week, uh, and they require a next business day response on that. We would uh, sort of tailor tailor make a uh, a service level agreement to uh, to respond to that. But we dispatch uh, technicians with the components under their arms to the customer site, and uh, provided that we've been given the uh, authorization by the customer, we would then go and uh, and swap out those components and mitigate the uh, the the, the, the few any any further risk. And Jock, and for me, th- that point that you made up there now, and I mean, we uh, I think it's a common thread in all of the uh, episodes that we do. It's a it's a fundamental requirement that the business takes the time to understand what the impact is. Uh, when uh, when an outage occurs, uh, and, and you and I had a scenario uh, this past weekend where on a Friday evening late, uh, quite an important component in a customer's network went down without any any plan or any support or anything like that, and then they realised this is actually a major crisis. So, and I think for me, when when uh, any of us engage with a customer. It's, it's very, very important and critical that the customer communicates with us what the impact is when that component in the network uh, is not functioning. Absolutely, Yaku. You know, just uh, it equips us uh, so that we can respond better and make sure that we get a quicker turnaround uh, uh, on, on the resolution for that issue. And uh, as, as you said, you know, although we typically engage uh, customers on a, on a, with a service level agreement, I mean, we do have the ad hoc responses. Uh, and that really gives us a, a, a fantastic opportunity to demonstrate to the customer, you know, the, uh, the the quick response and the quick turnaround time that we can have on providing a, a resolution to to issues that they are experiencing. And uh, as, as you said, I mean, our guys work till uh, till, till the early hours of the morning <laughs> because obviously it was a, it was an ad hoc response. We didn't have a lot of background to it, but uh, the, the the level of commitment uh, from uh, from our team specifically to assist the customers is unrivaled. And uh, you know, I, I, I would like to just give a shout out to my team. Okay, cool. So I, I think then for me, what what I see is is when customers are faced with these uh, let's call it traditional IT. Uh, let's call it challenges. Um, there, there's, there's a trend in the market where, where we then try and find a silver bullet 
And how do I make all of my infrastructure problems go away? I just go to the cloud. So what would, what do you practically see happening at customers today in terms of this uh, old world versus the new world? Uh, where are they at? So again, Yaku, that, uh, you know, it's, we're talking around uh, sort of cloud migration. I think there's, uh, we're seeing a lot of customers that are opting to, uh, um, to look at service providers that uh, would host their either their infrastructure or just the applications um, to mitigate uh, risk around downtime because of things like uh, load shedding. Uh, and, uh, you know, we've seen abroad major network operators uh, uh, having outages. It is a reality. You know, things can, uh, th- things happen. It's, it's, it's uh, you know, there's the real world. But uh, what's quite interesting is that even with this adoption of, uh, of customers moving into the cloud, um, there's still a major role that we play because, uh, you know, th- typically these migrations are not done overnight. So there's a time frame that needs to be taken into account. And uh, we provide a stopgap to those customers in terms of saying, look, we'll underwrite uh, th- your your maintenance uh, very cost effectively until you're ready to have the uh, your your applications uh, um, uh, migrated into the cloud. Um, and even even when that's done, often all that you're doing is you just then uh, uh, shifting the problem around your your server and storage requirements. Uh, there's still networking components that uh, that is required because your staff sits on premise, and uh, although it's uh, the applications are hosted in the cloud, you still need to maintain your network because you still physically need to connect to the uh, to to the internet in order to access your applications. And often you need redundant uh, paths uh, to be able to access these applications. So we so we still work uh, hand in hand with our customers to provide ongoing maintenance on specifically the networking and security uh, components. Uh, again, to make sure that uh, that uh, the, the applications are accessible and uh, online. And and I think for me, what's come out of this is is customers have to be very very clear that there's no silver bullet that just makes all of your problems go away overnight. You, you know, you have to you have to do things for the right reasons and have a clear strategy around how you're gonna how you're gonna. Uh, go on this journey of changing the way that you've traditionally worked. Absolutely, Yaku. And, and often what we find is we find a hybrid uh, uh, for, of, 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 these type, of these type of solutions. And so customers will, uh, will then provision their applications in the cloud, and then what they'll do is they'll look for a cost-effective uh, data center solution uh, that, that is typically hosted by a, a service provider. Um, I, I know, I know that's uh, something that you guys typically have in, in your, in your offering, but what customers would do is they would yeah. take equipment, they would then move it into that infrastructure and that would then become a, uh, what, what they would call a disaster recovery or backup solution for them. Uh, and again, you can't have, uh, you can't have a, a backup solution or disaster recovery solution without having some sort of maintenance on there. And, uh, and that's where we provide cost effective, uh, maintenance on that equipment. You know, you're trying to, trying to keep this infrastructure, uh, um, running and, uh, and you want to do it, uh, uh without inducing additional, uh, expenses in, in, into the equation. And, and I think that's where we, we try and spend a lot of our time is to, is to provide the customer with a, uh, uh, not too much of a, of a, uh, shift, uh, into the, into, you know, we try and provide him with a, a path that's a, that's a gradual journey. And like you say, to me, specifically where, uh, South Africa is at in terms of the challenges, the supply chain, the power availability, 
you know, without making too much of a major shift and, and maybe getting yourself into something that you, you didn't understand, uh, there, there's a gradual shift where you can say, take my existing infrastructure, move it into a data center, and let's, let's rather have um, maintenance and support around it than just going and saying, okay, right, we, we forklifting every, everything and, and sending it into some sort of hyperscaler cloud. Absolutely, Yaku. And, and I think practically we've even had conversations with customers where, um, you know, they, they haven't fully understood that. And uh, what's happened is that their costs have actually escalated by moving everything into the cloud because things are done on a consumption model. And, uh, you know, it's previously it was, was easy for them to contain because they would, they would have bought and, uh, and uh, provisioned that uh, infrastructure. Uh, but as, as you're saying, as it scales, uh, you know, they're typically there's, there's a bill associated to that. Um, the other concern that uh, some of the customers have raised is, uh, you know, you've got to be careful that you're not completely beholden to a, uh, to a service provider. You know, it's the case of yeah. putting all your eggs in one basket. So, uh, so, you know, you need to keep that into in mind that. when, when uh, mapping out your, your, uh, your um, infrastructure requirements. Okay, cool. So, um, uh, I always end the show by uh, making it practical. And um, I think you, earlier in the, in the discussion, you, you very uh, rightly pointed out to uh, the, the lack of understanding of what might uh, be part of your, of your um, you know, your, your asset register or your infrastructure. So, so where would a business start if they decide to, to get their maintenance and operations in order? Where do they start today? So the first thing is that uh, critical infrastructure needs to be identified, uh, which typically includes uh, your service storage and, uh, and uh, networking equipment. Uh, once you've identified uh, what, uh, you know, what, uh, what your critical infrastructure is, you then need to raise questions around what is the age of the equipment. Um, you know, often new equipment carries manufacturer's warranties, which is uh, initially cost-effective but generally becomes more expensive uh, through the uh, manufacturers as it gets older. So you then need to look for alternatives for that. Um, once you've identified that equipment, uh, you know, you can typically look at things like your, your asset registers and, uh, and determine whether or not there's uh, upcoming renewals or whether maintenance has actually lapsed on it. Uh, and then contact a third-party maintenance company um, who will typically provide a obligation-free assessment and uh, quotation for it. So I think that's that's what's probably the most uh, critical uh, starting point, uh, Yaku. Understanding what's the what's the impact if it breaks, and then and then how do you how do you mitigate that that risk? So uh, Yaku, uh, my apologies. Would you mind repeating that question? Uh, so I was saying, so um, understanding what you have, understanding what the impact is if those things break, and then and then how do you mitigate that risk with with some form of maintenance or space uh, space availability? That's correct. Yes, yeah, that's correct. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, you want to to make sure that uh, that the business is not at risk. Um, often, uh, you know, this is uh, also assists with uh, looking at uh, compliance. Uh, so you make sure that uh, that the infrastructure is compliant in terms of of not having any uh, uh, um, sort of immediate uh, exposure for 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 outages that type of thing, and uh, obviously uh, the most important thing is one wants to do it as cost effectively as uh, as possible. 
And uh, typically, uh, third-party maintenance uh, companies offer a cost saving in comparison to the manufacturers of around uh, 30 to 60 percent, uh, which is uh, which is quite uh, significant. Wow, that's uh, that's amazing. So, so to me, I think the fundamental thing that came out of um, out of today is. Uh, just because your infrastructure is is maybe on the older side, it doesn't mean that uh, it shouldn't be in support and maintenance. There, there are uh, alternatives for that, and um, I think for me, the the appeal that I have to every every small business owner or, or GM, make sure understand what you have in your infrastructure and make sure that they, you have a plan for it. That's correct, Jaku. I agree with that 100. percent Jock, thank you very much. I really enjoyed this conversation. Likewise, thank you for the opportunity. Thanks for listening to Unbundled, brought to you by Catalytic, a series that aims to demystify technology so that you can make smarter decisions for your business. Remember that you can listen to all of the podcasts on the Cliff Central app or website, and for added convenience, you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple, Spotify, Google, or wherever you listen. And uh, if you're looking for help with uh, communications tools for your business, please make sure to visit catalytic.co.za.